Beast Watch News, watching the rising beast of Revelation. In the news this week, is a global perfect storm coming? Trump moves the world closer to global war. The Israelis have an election crisis on their hands that could affect all of President Donald Trump's plans. And Americans could be facing a dire food shortage for a couple of reasons you need to know about. Find out how the American media is keeping you in the dark about the more important issues that could save your life. All of these things could affect the Earth's entire population. First, the Trump administration just poked Iran in the eye by declaring an emergency to bypass Congress to expedite billions of dollars in arms sales to U.S. allies in the Middle East, hoping to stop the malign influence of Iran. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo told lawmakers last Friday of the plans, saying these sales will support our allies, enhance Middle East stability, and help these nations to deter and defend themselves from the Islamic Republic of Iran. Pompeo put the value of the sales at $8.1 billion. Well, first, let's not be duped. These arms sales will further irritate Iran, not stop Iran. The book of Daniel chapter 11 says that the king of the north will be provoked to attack the king of the south. Trump is doing everything he can to fulfill the prophecy. Second, the arms sales will provide a needed facade of a good U.S. economy. In Trump's Fox News video last week, he said everyone knows that war destroys economies. The truth is just the reverse, and everyone knows that. War is very lucrative. It strengthens economies, and the American economy needs a long-term plan to keep Americans happy so Trump can move forward with his plans. As I told you last week, there has been a 14-month fall in the housing market, the longest since 2008. And as you know, that 2008 economic debacle was due to some of the same conditions that are happening again. Top that off with a roller coaster stock market, and it doesn't take a lot of brains to know that the president needs to get ahead of the curve. Pompeo wrote a letter to Congress in which he said that he had determined that an emergency exists, which requires the immediate sale of the defense articles and defense services to Saudi Arabia, the UAE, and Jordan and sales to other Middle East allies are also on the table. The notification came on the same day as Trump's announcement that he will send an additional 1,500 U.S. troops to the Middle East to counter Iran. President Donald Trump is engaged in a game of negotiation by threat of a beating with Iran. The White House effectively played the easily manipulated American mainstream media with stories of John Bolton's plan to send 100,000 military personnel to the Middle East and sending the USS Abraham Lincoln Carrier Strike Group. Bolton, the bad cop, posited sending the excessive number of 100,000 troops while Trump tried to convince Americans that he does not want war. 
This sent journalists speculating on his agenda and even his status as commander-in-chief, with one journalist suggesting that a coup had occurred in the White House and that now John Bolton was in charge. No such coup occurred. Trump is very much in control of the U.S. military. The basic truth is that Trump and Bolton conspired to manipulate the American public by scaring everyone, then later only sending 1,500 troops. Whew! That was close, right? Truth be known, 1,500 was probably the original number Trump wanted to send, but there's an election coming. He needs to be seen as a cooler head, one that has control of John Bolton. By the way, if Trump wasn't in agreement with John Bolton's policies, he could just do to John Bolton what he has done to everyone else whose policies he doesn't like. Fire him! Do you see the game that is being played? The truth is now apparent, as reported in my latest reports. Trump wanted to increase the U.S. presence in the Middle East to threaten Iran. So he and Bolton played good cop, bad cop. An invasion of Iran would look nothing like the U.S. invasions of Iraq, which was invaded with much advance notice when Saddam Hussein was removed from power. The fact that Iraq was put on notice weeks ahead of time about the pending U.S. invasion without Iraq replying with equal force, and in the face of the U.S. knowledge of Iraq's limited ability to strike back, should have been a clue to all Americans that George Bush, under John Bolton's tutelage, was invading a nation without any real defenses. However, Iran is not such a nation, and Bolton and Trump know it. Bolton, asking for such extreme measures, gave Trump the gift of convincing Americans that he doesn't want war, while handing him the ability to increase the U.S. military presence in the Middle East as a grudging concession to a situation that really does not exist. It isn't that Iran does not want war. Iran is not ready for war. Tehran is still building the east-west corridor and still does not have complete control of its proxy militias. I believe Tehran is also waiting to attack the southern Middle Eastern countries when Russia and China do a planned, simultaneous, and coordinated attack on America while North Korea attacks our Pacific allies. But the time is not right yet. Such a coordinated attack by these four superpowers against two global regions halfway around the world from each other will take extraordinary planning. I believe Russia, China, and Iran are not ready yet. North Korea is, as we know from its recent missile launching rehearsals where Pyongyang proved it can hit all the way to Guam and the Philippines. The simultaneous coordinated attack will take the King of the South coalition by surprise. Israel, Jordan, Egypt, Saudi Arabia, and all of North Africa will be shocked by the invasion, 
but more shocked that the United States military can't respond because it has been cut off by Iran's proxies, which are operating all over the earth near U.S. military bases and even inside the U.S. These proxies are really the key to the success of such a two-pronged, two-front invasion. The U.S. could easily see the threats to the Middle East and North America, but the intelligence community will not be able to stop all the Shiite proxies operating inside America's borders, in the North Middle East's 4 plus 1 coalition, inside Israel's borders in Gaza and the West Bank, among the Palestinians, and even inside Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia beheaded 37 Saudi citizens last April, most of them minority Shiites, in a massive execution across the country for alleged terrorism-related crimes. It was the largest mass execution of Shiites in Saudi history. Why did this happen? Because these men had ties to Iran and Pakistan, who are allies, and that were operating inside Saudi Arabia. Believe me, killing 37 men didn't wipe out Iran's proxies stationed in Saudi Arabia. The Saudis and Americans both know Iranian Shiite militias are operating on their soils. It is these militia groups who will help the Red Axis, Iran, Russia, China, and North Korea, conquer the southern Middle East, America, and her global allies. War, when it comes, will not be at the behest of John Bolton or Donald Trump. It will be all in the timing of Yahweh using the red axis for his purposes to move his people out of their spiritual slumber and drive them back to Israel for the final phase of the ingathering and restoration of the house of Jacob and the whole house of Israel. I also believe the Red Axis invasion of the U.S. and her allies won't happen before the Gog Magog War starts in Israel's West Bank. There is a high probability that the King of the North will invade just as Israel and the United States are about to totally violate Yahweh's commandments regarding last year's Israel Decree Jubilee, the one the Jews declared rather for themselves, but left the rest of us out of. I believe Yahweh will use the King of the North to stop Gog's plan and to start the Great Tribulation. Part of Gog's plan from the White House has already begun. I reported a few weeks ago about Golan and Trump's declaration that it is the House of Judah's territory. This led to Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's call for the founding of a Golan Heights community named after Trump. The community is already being built and will house 97 families. Authorities have received close to 100 inquiries, mostly from families in the United States and Canada who say they want to make Aliyah and live in Trump City. 
There will be an official celebration honoring the decision by the Trump administration to recognize Israeli sovereignty over the Golan, which will take place on June 12. Officials from the U.S. administration will be in attendance together with Netanyahu and other officials. The Jewish expansion into the Golan will eventually push out the Druze. Again, this is against Yahweh's plan for his land. He intends all 12 tribes with 12 righteous leaders governing the various clans with their righteous leaders and all their people to dwell in the land. America and Israel are defying Yahweh's kingdom model. Israel has not been devoid of people from all 12 tribes from the time when Joshua led the children of Israel across the Jordan River to now. The Bible and history prove this. But if Trump and Netanyahu have their way, that will no longer be the case. Woe to America and Israel for undertaking such a diabolical plan. And now, one final word about Trump arming America's Middle East allies and how this sets up the fulfillment of Daniel 11.44, which says, But news from the east and north shall alarm him, that's the king of the north, after he conquers Israel and Jordan and so forth. And he will go out with great fury to destroy and devote many to destruction. From the 4 plus 1 coalition's viewpoint, Turkey is north of them, and the countries of Kuwait, Bahrain, the United Arab Emirates, and Oman are eastward, and these are all Sunni-controlled nations. Turkey and its Sunni allies will attempt for the fourth time in Islam's history to remove the Shiite caliphate that will have been established with the Iranian invasion of the southern Middle East using weapons sold to it by the United States under Trump's administration. Three times prior, just as Daniel says in chapter 7 verse 8, speaking of the three horns being plucked up, the Sunnis have wrested caliphate control from Shiite hands. The Sunnis will try this again, but this time without success, because Daniel 11 verse 44 also tells us that the Shiites will go forth conquering and to conquer or to destroy and devote many to destruction according to the English Standard Version finally finishing off the remnant of the Turkish Ottoman Empire and then moving forward around the globe to conquer the rest of the earth's people to enslave them to Shia Islam or kill them if they won't convert one shrinks from a conclusion that American economic prosperity depends upon lots of foreign arms sales, says one article from thepostgazette.com. One also shrinks from the conclusion that we are being sucked into a war against Iran because it is Israel's most worrisome enemy at the moment. It is particularly troubling that Mr. Trump's current national security advisor, John Bolton, has wanted a war with Iran for many years. It is also disturbing to think that Mr. Trump's son-in-law, Jared Kushner, has business interests that enter into America's security posture in the Flashpoint Middle East. 
Worst of all is the thought that Mr. Trump wants a war prior to the 2020 elections to make himself a war president as George W. Bush did with the Iraq invasion in 2003 before the 2000 elections. All of this while Trump continues to spout that he does not want war. By the way, Trump's belligerent and combative arms sales will boost the economy and keep Americans happy to stay in their warm, cozy exile. Either Yahweh's people will suffer small loss of comfort now by moving out of Babylon and to the wilderness of the bride, or they will suffer greater loss later. All this could be coming when the U.S. is suffering under food shortages. This year looks bad for American corn production. And should Yahweh continue to withdraw his favor for America's crops in the near future, America will be weakened when the Red Axis attacks. I'll have more on America's coming food crisis in a few minutes. But first, let's look at Israel's election crisis and how that could set aside some of President Donald Trump's plans for a while, if not for good. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has failed to form a majority coalition in the Knesset. This is the first time in Israel's history that a coalition has not been formed. Why? Israelis are fighting over whether Israel should be a secular Jewish state governed by civil law or a religious Jewish state governed by religious law. And it all started with a military exemption for the ultra-religious Haredi, a.k.a. the Hasidic. The key issue that stopped Netanyahu from forming a coalition of 61 seats in the Knesset began with agreements established and signed at the creation of modern-day Israel between leading rabbis and the founding father and country's first prime minister, David Ben-Gurion. Strictly religious males were granted exemptions from mandatory military service so they could pursue Torah study in Jewish learning institutions, yeshivim or yeshivas. The ultra-Orthodox believe the current state of Israel is not the Jewish Messiah's Israel. They believe the real Israel will not be established until the Jewish Messiah comes, and they lack the patriotism of other Jews toward military service. But somehow they have no objection to registering for welfare benefits in Israel. As of 2017, according to an Israeli finance ministry study, the Haredi participation rate in the labor force was only 51% compared to 89% for the rest of Israeli Jews. According to a December 2017 study conducted by the Israeli Democracy Institute, the number of Haredi Jews in Israel exceeded 1 million in 2017, making up 12% of the population in Israel. By 2030, the Haredi Jewish community is projected to make up 16% of the total population, and by 2065, one-third of the Israeli population. 
Israel can no longer afford to pay Haredi to study the Talmud and Torah without getting something in return. The fast-growing Haredi community is a drain on Israel and America, where they also drain the welfare system. Forcing the Haredi into military service is just the beginning of integrating them as productive and gainfully employed members of Israeli society. But they reject this in favor of their closed enclaves. What initially appeared to be a matter of signing a coalition deal with partners who he had picked in advance has transformed into a direct confrontation between the Prime Minister and Israel Beitenu Chairman Avigdor Lieberman. This standoff led to national elections for the second time in 2019 and will continue to be an issue in the September 3rd elections. Lieberman insisted that current legislation mandating that young ultra-Orthodox men be drafted into the military goes through the Knesset voting process without a single modification or alteration to the bill, a bill the ultra-Orthodox parties have been fighting for years. Heredi, or ultra-Orthodox parties, consider conscription a taboo, fearing that military service will lead to immersion in secularism. Although exemptions have led to widespread resentment among non-religious Israelis, the Haredi parties insist they stay in place. In a country in which military enlistment for all other Jewish males and for females is compulsory, these exemptions unfairly distribute the burden of military service. In addition, it has become clear that these exemptions do not necessarily support serious Torah study in many cases. So, it is reasonably understandable why those forced to serve and send their children to defend the Jewish state have grown tired of these exemptions. A law passed in 2012 known as the Tall Law further entrenched the exemptions. Yet, Israel's high court, as it often does, overruled to overturn the legislation and has forced the government to replace it with an alternative framework to increase the number of religious conscripts. Towards the end of the last government, a new law was proposed that would slowly increase those numbers while penalizing individuals and communities that refused to serve with steep fines and even incarceration. The law passed its first reading in the Knesset prior to the calling of early national elections. Following the polls, the religious United Torah, Judaism, and Shas parties emerged as the strongest parties prepared to enter Benjamin Netanyahu's incoming governing coalition. They demanded that the law be adjusted to further loosen the enlistment target numbers as well as reduce the penalties for refusing to serve. Therein lies Netanyahu's problem in forming a coalition. Yet, during the current negotiations, the smaller Israel Beitenu party, led by the former defense minister and right-wing Netanyahu rival Avigdor Lieberman, demanded that the new law be passed as is, and he and implemented as a prerequisite to entering the government. 
Thus, Lieberman found himself in an upper hand position over Netanyahu. Unable to forge a compromise, Netanyahu is thereby unable to form a majority governing coalition, and with no other likely Knesset members able to form a governing coalition, including the Blue and White Party led by Benny Gantz and Yair Lapid, the Knesset voted to disband itself and send the country into snap elections for the second time in less than six months. Lieberman said, I am not against the ultra-Orthodox public. I am for the state of Israel. I am for a Jewish state. But I am against a state of Halakha, Jewish religious law. Therein lies the religious problem. Allowing military exemption because of religious duties is, in Lieberman's view, to make Israel a Jewish state governed by religious law from the Talmud. Such a situation would easily turn Israel into a religious police state, where everyone would be required to comply with Judaism. That would mean the state would decide what a Jew will believe and how a Jew will be a good citizen of the UN-created political Jewish state of Israel. The Haredi military conscription issue is the watershed over Israel, including all Jews or just religious Jews with the orthodox doctrine in place. A religious state would exclude all non-Orthodox Jews from citizenship. This is the real issue. The military conscription problem is just the cover over the manhole. Netanyahu has been walking a tightrope between the ultra-Orthodox parties who want to keep their Israeli welfare without military conscription and Avigdor Lieberman who insists the Haredi must serve in the military. But this does not mean that Netanyahu wants a Jewish religious state either. Netanyahu is nothing if not pragmatic and he knew he needed the two ultra-Orthodox parties, Shas and United Torah Judaism, to form his coalition. He also needed Israel Beitenu, which is headed by Avigdor Lieberman as well. The House of Judah is divided over the definition of Jewish state, civil law versus religious law, and Benjamin Netanyahu has discovered that he can't have it both ways. In fact, Netanyahu's political future is at stake. Voters who ignored his many scandals in April's election might not do the same on September 3rd. And now, if you think Israel and America are not in each other's election systems, listen to Netanyahu's response to this mess. He asked Trump to intervene and apply pressure to Lieberman. On Monday, Trump tweeted his hopes that things will work out with Israel's coalition formation and Bibi and I can continue to make the alliance between America and Israel stronger than ever. But Trump's support of Netanyahu failed to inspire Lieberman and now Israel faces another election. 
President Trump was counting on Netanyahu forming the coalition in time for Jared Kushner to unveil the first phase of it in June at a conference in Bahrain. But it isn't just the peace plan that is endangered by Netanyahu's inability to form a coalition. All of Trump's warmongering plans, which he intends to use to back Iran down and away from Syria's oil and gas distribution hub, and which will bolster the U.S. economy before it starts sliding too fast, could be put on hold too. And Trump's peace plan may already be in pieces. Stay tuned. I'll be right back after these messages. Thank you for listening to the Jerusalem Report on Beast Watch News. Full news coverage with a Hebraic perspective of the headlines fulfilling Bible prophecy. Remember to financially and prayerfully support Beast Watch News for keeping you up to date. Send your donation to Beast Watch News today. It takes money to operate this ministry and your help is much appreciated. Join Pete and Kelly Rambo to clean up Jerusalem and enjoy Sukkot from October 7th to 22nd for only $945. Price includes lodging, breakfast, and dinner each day as well as most transportation. Enjoy other options like tours and shopping. Check on Yosef.com, A-N-I-Y-O-S-E-F.com for details. Sukkot is the Lord's Feast and Jerusalem is the only place to be this year in Jerusalem. Kushner is traveling in the Middle East this week to drum up support for Trump's peace plan, but the trip could not come at a worse time. Not only does Kushner's team face near-unanimous Palestinian condemnation, he's looking at an uphill battle in winning widespread support across the Middle East. And if that weren't enough, Kushner is flying straight into an unprecedented impasse in Israeli politics that will undoubtedly distract from sealing a deal. And King Abdullah of Jordan has taken this opportunity to put the smack down on Kushner to let him know the peace plan will only work on pre-1967 lines and with East Jerusalem as the Palestinian capital. He also told Kushner that Israel must withdraw from the West Bank that Israel captured in the 1967 Arab-Israeli War. In other words, if the leaked plan from a few weeks ago, which said the Palestinians would be deported out of the West Bank, was true... King Abdullah has just now pushed back. Jordan is worried the plan could jettison the two-state solution and also that the plan would challenge King Abdullah's religious custodianship of Muslim and Christian sites in Jerusalem. This election failure in Israel has other repercussions as well. Iran's Revolutionary Guard said Washington's long-awaited Israeli-Palestinian peace plan was doomed to fail and that the Palestinian resistance movement would respond firmly to those who proposed such a deal. In other words, don't even try it again or there will be war. That's the IRGC's smackdown to Trump, who last week told Iran that if they want a war with the U.S., they will get one. And the U.S. probably will get one. The Revolutionary Guards said in a statement carried by Tasneem News Agency that the only solution 
to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict was withdrawal of Zionists from the occupied lands and return of Palestinian refugees to hold free elections. U.S.-Russia-Israel relations are also hanging in the balance during this time of Israel's weakness. Jerusalem will host next month an unprecedented trilateral meeting of top security officials from Israel, Russia, and the U.S., the White House announced on Wednesday, probably in anticipation of Netanyahu's failure to make a coalition. Minutes after the vote, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu referred to the planned meeting stressing its unique nature and importance for Israel's national security. He did not reveal what would be on the agenda. The rare tripartite meeting is expected to deal mostly with Syria, specifically Iran's efforts to entrench itself militarily near Israel's borders and the planned withdrawal of U.S. troops from the war-torn country. Moscow is a close ally of Tehran and Damascus, while Jerusalem and Washington are the Islamic Republic's arch enemies. Ultimately, what this means is Yahweh is not ready for man's plans to move forward. It remains to be seen what the trigger of the Gog Magog and King of the North and South Wars will be. Until the time comes, we probably won't know the fine details. We do, however, know the big picture from Bible prophecy, and the Bible plainly says America, Babylon, and Israel, the two sisters of the house of Jacob, will fall. And now, to the coming American food crisis. There is another factor in the weakening of food supplies to Americans that has nothing to do with flooded and wet cornfields. According to the economiccollapseblog.com, all across America, U.S. farmland is being gobbled up by foreign interests. Vast stretches of the heartland of America is now owned by foreigners, and most Americans have no idea that this is happening. Americans' own soil is rapidly being globalized, just like the economy. Right now, there is plenty of food to go around, but what will happen when a food crisis erupts and those foreign-owned farms just keep sending their produce out of the country? There are some very serious national security concerns that are not being addressed by the Trump administration. Instead, the amount of farmland owned by foreigners just continues to increase with each passing year. Today, nearly 30 million acres of U.S. farmland are held by foreign investors. When the Chinese purchased Smithfield Foods in 2013, they instantly gained control over 146,000 acres of prime farmland. The communist Chinese government has actually made the purchase of foreign agricultural assets a top national priority in recent years, and this has been reflected in a series of key documents. The strategy is reflected in encouragements to invest abroad by various documents and articles issued by Chinese leaders. For example, a series of annual number one documents from China's Communist Party authorities stating rural policy have contained increasingly specific strategies for investment. 
A general exhortation to invest in agriculture overseas issued in 2007 was followed by an initial surge in overseas farming ventures. In 2010, authorities called for supportive policies to encourage investment abroad. The 2014 document included a more specific mandate to create large grain trading conglomerates designed to give Chinese companies greater control over oilseed and grain imports. That was the same year COFCO acquired Nadera and Noble Agri, making COFCO one of the largest trading companies in the world based on value of assets. The 2015 document specifically called for policies to support facilities, equipment, and inputs for agricultural production in foreign countries. The 2017 document broadened the encouragement to include all types of agricultural conglomerates. The 2018 document repeated the general endorsement of overseas investment and instructions to create multinational grain trading and agricultural conglomerates. Farm bankruptcies in America are already at the highest level. This truly is a perfect storm for U.S. farmers, and many believe that what we have witnessed so far is just the beginning. President Trump is more concerned with providing Americans with a false appearance of a booming economy than he is in fixing those problems that will affect people down the road, problems that could lead to America's defeat and the capturing and killing of millions of Americans. Trump is more interested in fueling his ego as a deal maker and helping his friends put more money in their pockets than America's actual protection and provision. He just wants another term as president to work toward fulfilling his own narcissistic dreams. Earlier, I said Iran isn't quite ready for war because Tehran is still building infrastructure. Well, China isn't quite ready yet either. It needs more control of America's food supply, which will create riots and weaken people from starvation. As for Russia, well... Russia is always ready and, with all the troop training over the last decade, may well be chomping at the bit. And now let's take a look at the Trump scandals. What is driving Americans' lack of understanding of the very real dangers facing them? The media is being driven by the Russian election scandal, which is, in turn, being driven by the fractured New World Order. The fracture in the New World Order falls largely along political lines, Democrats against Republicans, but it has also fractured along age lines with young politicians trying to oust older ones. Pastor Lindsey Graham spoke of this over a decade ago and it has worsened since then. It is hard to imagine just how fractured the new world order has gotten. Once a pot starts to break, its cracks continue and widen until the pot is completely destroyed. And that is what is happening. 
Beginning with the Bush administrations after the Reagan years, a crack occurred along age lines. Younger New World Order elites rejected their older parents' views. The younger elites wanted America to lead the global economy and for the global population to absorb American values. In essence, the younger ones wanted American hegemony, American rule, worldwide. The older elites were happy just to lead the way without the imperialist and colonialist impulse using the U.S. military to sprawl American culture around the globe. There has been a huge backlash against American colonialism that gave rise to another form of colonialism, that of Islam. The answer to Islam's desire for global hegemony has been for the elites to embrace Islam along with other ideals, including homosexuality and various other perversions. The age-related crack in the New World Order lent itself to cracking the global New World Order, where Russia and China were important members. Obama's drive to control the Middle East, its oil, gas, and distribution hubs, along with trying to force Israel into an untenable peace treaty with the Palestinians, reached northward to Ukraine. Obama believed he could destroy Russia by controlling Ukraine and Ukraine's oil and gas distribution hub. So, he fomented the Arab Spring to get control of the Middle East, but lost control of the army he created, ISIS, and caused a mass migration of immigrants such as not been seen since World War II. Creating an army like ISIS is not the Republican way, so along comes Donald Trump to show the world how it's done. The Republican New World Order believes America can win wars by using allies as proxies, not creating rogue armies. The Russian election scandal is not about the election. It is about the two ideologies that are now at war. While the Republican and Democrat politicians wage war with each other, the press is eating it up. They present opinion and political antics as news. This is preventing everyone from seeing the dangers coming to American shores. This is why there is now an alternative media that presents the real news. Beastwatch News is real news from the prophetic and Hebraic perspective. The New World Order is a mess now with the globalists split between East and West, the Americans split between young and old, and the politicians split between Republican and Democrat. This was prophesied to happen in end times Babylon and is one of the ways we can identify America as end times Babylon and know that we are in the end of days. Jeremiah chapters 50 and 51 are about end time Babylon, even though some of it was fulfilled with ancient Babylon. Chapter 51 verses 1 to 45 are about war and battles in Babylon.
verses 47 to 64 are about Yahweh destroying Babylon's images. Then there's verse 46. Let not your heart faint, and be not fearful at the report heard in the land. When a report comes in one year, and afterward a report in another year, and violence is in the land, and ruler is against ruler. This one verse seems so out of place. War, for 45 verses. A scandal for one verse then the rest of the chapter devoted to destroying Babylon's images what is going on while it is true that every empire's leaders face scandals as the empires fall this one is particularly true now in America the Obama administration has been against the Trump administration a report came out in the first year and has been followed by another report in the second year. Another way to view this is that one year is the election year, the first election year, and the second year is the election year of the second term in office of the U.S. President. In other words, don't look for the scandals to stop. Don't get distracted by the scandals. Getting cranked up about that is not what will save you. Obeying Yahweh's call to leave will. People's hearts are faint, aren't they? People keep saying they haven't seen anything like this. The scandal seems to be tearing America apart, doesn't it? America is being torn apart. The Russians swore they would destroy America from within just after World War II, remember? Well, that is exactly what they have done. The Russians know what they are doing. They're setting America up for turmoil within so that it will be a cakewalk to destroy her from outside when the time comes. The Russians have fomented another little storm in the global perfect storm, and you are witnessing the fulfillment of Jeremiah's odd prophecy for yourself. That's it for this Beast Watch News update. This is Kimberly Rogers Brown signing off. Click over to BeastWatchNews.com for full comprehensive coverage of all the headlines fulfilling end of days Bible prophecy.